At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again. Game day edition of the HHC. We'll get you ready for Hornets at the Milwaukee Bucks, the sixth and final game of this road trip. Also going to talk about one of our favorite topics over the last couple of weeks. It is... Should LaMelo Ball be Rookie of the Year? You've heard my rants often. Yesterday, you heard Wes Robinson. Today, you're going to hear from someone whose opinion means a lot more than ours, and that would be James Borrego. So JB, head coach of the Hornets, weighed in on the LaMelo, should he or shouldn't he be Rookie of the Year debate. We'll let you hear from him, give our thoughts, and finally, kind of sum up this road stretch. Hornets have played a great deal of time over the last month and a half away from Spectrum Center. How have they fared? To help me with all of these, we've got my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, Rob Longo, back once again on the Hornets Hivecast. Rob, how are you? I'm great, Sam. If you know anything about me, I'm a big golf guy, so I'm enjoying Masters Week before some Hornets basketball tonight. Excellent, excellent. Well, let's get right into this. Hornets have been away from home a great deal of time. Tonight will be the Hornets' 17th road game in their last 21 contest. That is an overwhelming amount of road games. And for any team, it's a recipe for danger. Not going to say disaster, but danger. Because you're playing everyone in this season, many cases empty or emptier arenas. So home court advantage, we've heard many people comment on it, means a little bit less. But nevertheless, it does mean something. The Hornets have had many very difficult opponents over the first 16 of these road games. Not going to count anything in with tonight's uh, against Milwaukee. That certainly is a very difficult, could be argued the hardest of the road games, considering it's the end of a six-game road trip and all the injuries the Hornets have. But just in the first 16, 
looking at all those opponents, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Spurs, Brooklyn, and yeah, there have been some other teams with weaker records mixed in there as well. But overall, the win percentage for the 16 teams the Hornets have played on the road over their last 21 is 519. They're a combined 423 and 391. And that's overall. Most of them, their home record is better than their overall record. So that win percentage would be even higher if I just crunched it down to home. And yet, the Hornets in those 16 road games have gone 8-8. Eight and eight. I think this stretch, as much as any, is the reason why the Hornets are going to be playoff bound it's not so much what they might be able to do in this next home stretch which will be I think it's 14 out of the next 19 after the Milwaukee game we'll be back at Spectrum Center but it's not just what they might do in those games it's what they have done in this road dominant stretch to tread water to play 500 basketball have a chance tonight to come out of it with a winning record I think that's the big reason why the Hornets should end up a postseason team So I didn't go that far back when I was looking at some numbers, but I went back to the beginning of March. And since the beginning of March, the Hornets have played 12 road games. That is the most in that span along with the Hawks and the Mavericks. So they've both played 12 games on the road as well. Atlanta and Dallas are both 8-4. and Pretty good. The Hornets are 6-6, and so still 500, but it is extremely hard to win on the road in the NBA. So I looked it up, and dating back to the beginning of last season, so the beginning of the 2019-2020 season, for what it's worth, only 12 teams had winning records on the road. Now this season, you mentioned how it could be a little bit of an anomaly with some arenas having some capacity, no fans at all, what have you. So this season... That number has gone up to 14, so only two more teams have winning records on the road this season despite everything going on with limited or no capacity in these arenas. So the fact that the Hornets have played well on the road, especially as of late, especially missing three key contributors on offense, I don't think you can ask for much more from this team, Sam. No, not at all. This team has really performed extremely well. And look, the road stuff aside, just all the injuries that you mentioned, no Malik Monk, no Gordon Hayward, no LaMelo Ball for multiple games combined, that's more than half of your offense, whether you're looking at scoring or playmaking. That's more than half of your offense that is currently sitting on the bench trying to recover from their various injuries. Uh, That's a difficult thing to overcome, to have to do it on the fly, on the road. It's been a very impressive stretch here for the Hornets. It's not quite done yet. They'll, of course, have tonight's game against the Milwaukee Bucks. We will break that one down for you in a little bit. But just wanted to you know, put a spotlight here on what the Hornets have been able to accomplish. This will be tonight, their 17th road game in their last 21. In the first 16, they have gone 8-8. Eight and eight. I think at the start of this whole stretch, before that first Western Conference road trip, just before the All-Star break, if you had said the Hornets would go 8-8 eight and eight in the next 16 road games, again, looking at the level of competition with Portland and Golden State and the Lakers and Clippers, plus the Eastern Conference teams, many of whom they're competing with for playoff spots like Indiana, you would take that. You would absolutely take that. And Charlotte has been able to bring it to fruition. So Hornets looking to end this entire road stretch with a winning record. As I mentioned, we'll talk about that momentarily. But coming up next, we want to let James Borrego, head coach of the Hornets, weigh in 
on the LaMelo for Rookie of the Year debate. He commented on it in his media availability yesterday. You will hear from the head coach of the Hornets after this on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, during the month of April, the Charlotte Hornets and their official hunger relief partner, Food Lion Feeds, are launching the 2021 Dunk Hunger Food Drive to benefit Second Harvest Food Bank of Metrolina. The Bridges who throws it down with a right hand. For every Hornets dunk this month, slams it down with two hands. Food Lion will donate 1000 meals. Terry Rozier throws it down over Kevin Durant. For more information on how you can help Food Lion and the Hornets dunk hunger, visit hornets.com slash dunk hunger. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Rob, you know one of my favorite rants of the season has been LaMelo Ball for Rookie of the Year. Before he got hurt, I was constantly dumbfounded at why other players were being put ahead of LaMelo as the Rookie of the Year and the Rookie Ladder. Certainly after LaMelo was starting, it seemed a no-doubter. And now, one of my favorite rants has been the fact that I get he's not available to play with the wrist fracture, but putting him at sixth just does not make any sense to me. I've ranted about it. Wes Robinson ranted about it yesterday. I'm going to let you rant on it in a moment, but I want to let the fans hear from James Borrego, head coach of the Hornets. He was asked about LaMelo's candidacy for Rookie of the Year. Here's what he had to say. Well, you know, we still have season to play, so, you know, I don't know if he'll be back. You know, we, there's still some time here to figure this out, but to me, Melo's clearly the Rookie of the Year. His numbers are elite. We stack him up not only this year, but over the history of the NBA. To do what he's done as far as numbers speaks for itself. And then not only was he, you know, at such a high level as far as stats and numbers, he impacted winning. When he went out, we were sitting sixth in the Eastern Conference where nobody had us, you know, even near that that range to start the season. To me, Rick, he's clearly the, the rookie of the year as we stand today. Based on the body of work that we have, even with the missed games right now, Melo is clearly the rookie of the year. But there's still time, you know. The season's not over. We don't know what other rookies are going to do. We don't know what Melo's going to do. Our hope is that we get him back. So I think we just got to, you know, give it some time here. But to date, based on what we have, the body of work that we have, Melo's clearly rookie of the year. Maybe when you mentioned that, the people who expressed the strongest opinion that, you know, he should be rookie of the year, the point that several of those people made to me is, a lot of rookies put up good numbers, but don't necessarily affect the bottom line that much yeah. of wins and losses. And he specifically has done that. Is the, In your mind, is that the compelling argument? I think that the winning is, is completely the argument. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Even if you want to compare the numbers, putting up numbers, like that alone probably gets him rookie of the year, just that alone because the numbers are that significant. But to me, what clearly separates him from anybody in that category is the, the winning piece. He's clearly impacted winning more so than I even expected. I think I've, I've said that, you know, I'm on record saying that. I, I didn't expect him to impact winning the way he did for us this season. He still may have time back with us. He put us in position to be a top six, four seed in the Eastern Conference. He's been a major part of that. And when you can impact winning and put up those numbers, to me, you're, you're clearly rookie of the year. So those are the thoughts of head coach James Borrego of the Charlotte Hornets. I'll continue a mini rant of my own later. But Rob, what are your thoughts after hearing from JB? I thought it was insightful. Because obviously you would expect the coach of a rookie of the year candidate to say that he's deserving of the award. That's just kind of how it is. But JB backed up his thoughts with a pretty, I thought, clear and concise answer. Like we've talked about a lot during this entire debate since LaMelo's injury, 
Borrego takes a lot of stock in a rookie factoring in on a team's record. And I can't really say outside of maybe Emmanuel quickly that none of the other rookies have made that case. And even so, the Knicks are still two games below 500. Minnesota has the worst record in a league. The Kings are seven games below 500. And even if you want to throw James Wiseman in this group just for the heck of it, the Warriors are three and seven in our last 10 games and are hanging on to 10th place in the West, three games below 500. So I just don't know how any voter can say in good judgment that anyone else other than LaMelo Ball is the rookie of the year and justifying votes for other nominees is because LaMelo just didn't play enough. Again, this isn't like last year where it came down to Zion Williamson and John Morant when Zion missed all that time at the beginning of the year. LaMelo is, in my mind, head and shoulders above every other rookie in this class because of the effect on his team's record. Now, I went and I looked up the win shares for everybody that I mentioned. LaMelo Ball's win shares. This is estimated on how many wins that each player is responsible for. So it's kind of like if you're a baseball nerd like I am, it's kind of like war, wins above replacement in a sense. LaMelo Ball's win shares, 2.9, and he hasn't played how many games so far. Emmanuel Quickly, 2.4. Tyrese Halliburton, 2.9. So I will give that to Tyrese Halliburton. James Wiseman, 0.5. And Anthony Edwards, negative 0.7. Certainly strong numbers. I'll say this. Look, I'm clearly on record. I think LaMelo Ball should be in higher consideration for Rookie of the Year. I think the only one that can and maybe will end up taking it from him is Anthony Edwards. And that's because just terms of raw data, he's going to put up so many more points than LaMelo can if he doesn't return to play. And if he continues to score at this level, he's going to end up an 18, 19 points per game guy and playing the entire season. It's just the nature of the award. I don't think win shares should count towards the decision unless it's between two players and it's close, where there are two elite rookies and one of them, and they're statistically close to each other, and one of them is on a winning team where he is having a big impact on it, and the other one is on a losing team, then I think it plays in. And I think if LaMelo does come back and play a few more games, then it's absolutely the tiebreaker. But I don't think you can hold it against Anthony Edwards that his team isn't very good. You know, if you're drafted in the top five, generally speaking, your team isn't very good. I think, you know, in the Warriors' case, there's a little less room for forgiveness because they had Steph Curry coming back. You're basically adding all-stars back to the roster that wasn't on the team that finished so poorly. But I don't think you can hold it against Wiseman because he's been hurt so much. I think the same reason people are ruling LaMelo out, they would exclude Wiseman from consideration as well. Ultimately, look, LaMelo, I think statistically, measures up very well with Anthony Edwards. In terms of winning, it is not close. I completely agree with JB's argument, and I think it's just a matter of, does LaMelo return? He's currently in uncharted waters. No rookie of the year has played as few games for his team percentage-wise, based off the total number of games in the season, as LaMelo would have, or will have, if he doesn't play again. If he does, if he gets back into eyesight of the lighthouse, then I think it will be LaMelo's award because the tie will go to the player that most impacted winning. And there is no question that LaMelo has impacted winning. And while Anthony Edwards' statistics are impressive, he is not currently averaging 20 points per game. He's around 17. So the difference between him and LaMelo is not as much on a per-game basis as you might think. I think there is certainly an opening here 
for LaMelo to come back if health-wise it makes the most sense. And if he does, provided Anthony Edwards hasn't you know, added five points per game to his scoring average between now and then, I think there's a very real chance LaMelo plays enough games to placate the voters and takes the award. And that's something that I also took away from James Borrego's comments was he seems pretty optimistic about LaMelo. He is very hesitant on ruling him out for the remainder of the season, as we've seen some reports. We did see him before the Oklahoma City game. He was traveling with the team. He was dribbling around one-handed with his left hand, getting some ball handling in as well. So, you know, he's a typical 19-year-old kid. We know how LaMelo's personality is. He's just itching to come back. He can't wait to get that cast off, I'm sure. And I hate speculation. Like, I hate these arguments about greatest of all time and all this stuff because it's all based on speculation about so many different factors. And I don't want to be the person to say, well, where would this team be without LaMelo Ball for the games that he played and the impact that he had? But it's something I think that needs to be taken into consideration as well. I think ultimately, while it's great to see LaMelo on the bench, he's not going to come back just to win Rookie of the Year. The team's not going to bring him back to win an award. He's going to come back if he can contribute because there is a lot of value to be had from him participating in a stretch run and potentially the postseason for Charlotte. Look, he's going to come back if he's healed, as we've said several times. This is not an ACL tear where there is a given timeline, and if you rush it, you are risking rupturing it again. Once the bone heals, this is from what I have been told, once the bone heals, you only break it again if you break it again. You've healed the bone, you take the time to rehab, to strengthen everything around it, and then when you're good to go, you're good to go. So we'll see what the timeline ends up being. LaMelo's a young kid. Hopefully he will be able to get back out there. But again, I don't think the pressure is on LaMelo to get back into games so he can win Rookie of the Year. The pressure is on Anthony Edwards to push his statistics far enough that he makes it a clear argument that he should be Rookie of the year or the pressure is on the voters to justify ignoring what LaMelo Ball did on the court and give the award to someone else. All right, we've got a game coming up tonight here for the Hornets. They're taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. Final game of this six-game road trip. Final road contest of the 17 out of 21 away from Spectrum Center for Charlotte. Don't worry, 14 of the next 19 will be at Spectrum Center. We hope you'll join us for those starting Sunday when Charlotte hosts the Atlanta Hawks. And for more information there, go to Hornets.com. Coming up next, we'll preview the game right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Buzz City, it's time to return to the Hive. There are a limited number of socially distanced tickets available for each game. Fans can expect enhanced cleaning and disinfection procedures and an upgraded ventilation system at Spectrum Center because the health and safety of the team, staff, and guests is the top priority at the Hive. Be there at Spectrum Center for a Sunday matinee April 11th when the Hornets host Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks at 1 p.m. Tickets on sale now at Hornets.com. Sam Farber. And Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Rob, it is a game day edition. Hornets seeing Milwaukee for the first time since the end of January. It seems like just yesterday in some respects, and it seems like a lifetime ago. Way back when the Hornets had LaMelo Ball, he was having a breakout stretch for himself, and the Hornets were able to get a W over a Milwaukee team that did have Giannis Antetokounmpo playing. Going into tonight's game, there are some serious questions as to the availability of a lot of players. Obviously, for the Hornets, not questions, but there will be some obvious absences. No Gordon Hayward, no LaMelo Ball, no Malik Monk for this one. For Milwaukee, Giannis Antetokounmpo was listed as day-to-day. I think he ended up being doubtful before they said, no, he's not going to play last night against Dallas on the road, I might add. So that's a difficult back-to-back. you got to fly across country south to north from Dallas back to Milwaukee to play the Hornets. But potentially, no Giannis Antetokounmpo for this one. 
perhaps opening the door further for a Hornets team that will be an underdog with all of its absences. And Giannis or no Giannis, this Milwaukee Bucks team has clearly been one of the three best in the Eastern Conference this year. They certainly have, and that's really the issue with the Bucks is they're not in any rush to get Giannis back anytime soon. I mean, they've all but pretty much locked in a playoff spot. It just depends on seeding at this point. So they're going to rest Giannis. They're going to take their time with him. He's not in any hurry to get back. We saw that with what Brooklyn's been doing, the likes of Kevin Durant and now James Harden, who's been on the shelf the past couple of games. And there's probably not going to be no P.J. Tucker either for tonight's game, too, who was a trade deadline acquisition from Houston. I mean, he hasn't played the last eight games. Giannis hasn't played the last three. He hasn't played since April 2nd. P.J. Tucker hasn't played since March 26th, for what it's worth. So there's no idea how severe that calf injury that he has. And again, this road schedule that the Bucks have is pretty gnarly. I mean, they wrap up the six-game road trip last night in Dallas. They fly home after the game. They play the Hornets tonight, and then they go back out on the road for three more games. So they have a pretty brutal schedule themselves, and I'm sure that they can't take a whole lot of stock into whatever these last couple of games have been like for them because they just want to get everybody healthy and get ready for a playoff run at this point. And they're certainly going to be one of the favorites again in the East. If they're healthy, they'll be right there. Look, they've basically shown up a top three seed. And again, you're not going to risk anything with Giannis or any of their other stars to try and rush back for this one game. They just want to be playing well at the end. And, you know, maybe if there were five games left and they were one game or a half game out of being in first place, then home court advantage might mean a little more. Maybe they put a little bit more emphasis on getting everyone back for this one. But whether they're back or not, the Hornets are more banged up than any team in the Eastern Conference right now. No Gordon Hayward, no LaMelo Ball, no Malik Monk. I looked it up. In the first meeting between these two teams Hornets won at 126 to 114 those three players combined for 72 points that was 57 percent of the Hornets points in that game were from Gordon Hayward LaMelo Ball and Malik Monk and none of them are available and I might add LaMelo Ball off the bench for that game he was a plus 37 in the plus minus so it was one of his best games of the year against an elite player in Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's easy to say, hey, as Giannis goes, so go the Bucs. And in certain circumstances, that may be true. But this is still a very good Bucs team with Chris Middleton and Thanasis Antetokounmpo. They've got a lot of weapons still. If you're looking from a half-glass full perspective, best case for the Hornets is that maybe Milwaukee does have to rest some more of these guys and Terry Rozier can take over a game with Devontae Graham. We see P.J. Washington bust out of his shooting slump and they come up with a a great rally and win to wrap up this road slate but either way I think this road trip has been a success I think the Hornets have done what they needed to do to further solidify their position in the Eastern Conference and whether they come home in fourth place or sixth place doesn't really matter they have done their job and can look forward to 14 of the next 19 afterwards at home at Spectrum Center. Yeah, and a couple of the things that I looked at in the last time that these two teams met, the Hornets shot the three ball really well. They went 21 of 44 from beyond the arc. Everybody was hitting threes that day, including Gordon Hayward. He was 5 of 11 beyond the arc. Lamelo hit a couple. Malik hit a couple off the bench, so certainly those are going to hurt. So if I'm looking at this roster constructed right now for Milwaukee, if there is no P.J. Tucker, if there is no Giannis Antetokounmpo, the X factor on the other side I look at is probably Pat Connaughton. He comes off the bench and he sits in the corner and is able to draw a lot of threes and that could be an issue. He had 15 points the last time that these two teams met so that might be my player to watch on the other side tonight. I like the pick. I like the pick. Final point on this one for you, Rob. I think it's time to start looking at magic number. That's the number of combined wins and losses for specific opponents needed 
to reach a goal, be it a division title, playoff spot, whatever it is. Hornets' magic number as of today to make the play-in tournament, at the bare minimum, make the play-in tournament, because that's step one. After that, it's, you know, be in the 7-8 game versus the 9-10 game, and then after that, it's avoid the play-in altogether. But step one, make the play-in tournament. The magic number is 15. And this team still has, what, another 20-plus games to go? So complete control of their own destiny. The teams that they need to count on to acquire some more losses, Cleveland and Toronto, seem willing to oblige in that regard. Got to be feeling really good right now with what the Hornets have accomplished so far, the position they put themselves in. And even if that number is not down too much from 15 in the next couple weeks or so, you feel confident that when help returns in Malik Monk, Gordon Hayward, and maybe just maybe LaMelo Ball, that that magic number will be even smaller, certainly attainable, and then you can look ahead to establishing a new one to host the play-in tournament games or avoid them altogether. So when we inch closer and closer to this finish line, since you're the math guy, I'm going to let you do all of the calculations on this magic number. Quick side note, when I was taking sports announcing classes in undergrad with Lanny Terry, who was the voice of the Pirates for 33 years, on his quizzes, it was always how to calculate the magic number, and I never got it right. So I'm going to let you do all that math. Magic number 101. You take the team who is closest to making whatever it is, but not there. So if it's a division title, second place, if it's to make the playoffs or play-in tournament, you go to the 11th place team, take their total number of losses, max out their wins from there, and see how many more wins your team needs. That is the number for the Hornets. It's 15 with the remaining games. And I don't think, based off how they played, Toronto or Cleveland are going undefeated from this point out. Famous last words, maybe. But I just don't think it's going to happen. All right, Hornets will get to work on that magic number tonight. And then again, they'll return home. They are at the Hive Sunday for a matinee contest against Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. 1 p.m. tip time for ticket information. Go to Hornets.com. There are still, of course, mask and social distancing rules in effect at Spectrum Center. But it would be wonderful to see you there. If you'd like to make plans, again, go to Hornets.com for all of your ticketing information. Thanks to my producer, Rob Longo, for being a part of this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. As always, you know where to find me. Chain to the desk. Thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us today on the Hornets Hivecast and in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank y'all. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.